three drivers that were winless and now he's slow on the track to five right up behind him smoke coming out for larson larson up against the wall it's a drag race to the checkered flag denny hamlin's gonna win it Southern 500 winner denny hamlin thank you so much what a big race man thank you so much for giving me this race excellent job everybody hell yeah Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We are officially one race in to the NASCAR playoffs this season. On today's episode, we are going to recap that race at Darlington. Was it a good race? How did we think about it and how did the bets do last week? We have to recap the faceoff as well. So a lot to talk about. A lot of storylines coming out of Darlington as well as far as the playoffs are concerned. So we're going to get into all that to start the episode. And then the meat and potatoes of today's ep, Richmond. We are going to now the middle race of this playoff round. And it is Richmond Raceway. We're going to talk winners. Then we'll talk finishing position as always. We're trying to find the value here in those bets. And then... Head-to-head matchups, everybody's favorite part of the podcast. We can call out three specifically, so we're going to try to keep that momentum going in that area. And then at the very end, less gambling-related, more so just trying to get our bearings. We're going to talk a little bit about silly season. We've got nine races left till the off-season begins, but silly season is in full effect, so we're trying to get a sense of where guys are shaking out and and who's left out these musical chairs right now. So we'll talk about that at the end in the Phil's Fired Up section. So to start, we will take a look back at Darlington. Long look back here because I would say that this race kind of had a little bit of everything. I mean, first of all, it's a holiday weekend. So a lot of the country had off the next day, night race. You know, you got to love that. And To start, I mean, when you're looking at was it a fun race to watch, was it worth your time, you got to look at the finish. And that, to me, was a pretty cool finish. Um, Obviously, we were on Hamlin, plus 750. You could get him at plus 800 on FanDuel. So, yeah, having the winner definitely helps. Um, Looking back and saying, wow, that was a, a fun race. But look at how that race ended. I mean, you had Kyle Larson who dominated a lot of that race, and he was in second place just absolutely sending it at the end, trying to to steal the win there from Hamlin, who was you know, in the lead, leading laps the last, I don't know, call it 35, 40 laps or so. And so it really just came down to those two guys. Now, I think you can make an argument by saying, well, if it's really just two guys, how could it be a, a fun race to watch? But just the way that it ended, you know, I, I my heart sunk because I thought something happened to Hamlin. He was slowing down there, hit the wall briefly, and then you see the smoke coming out of Larson. My second instinct after thinking the Hamlin was, you know, cooked was, oh, my God, who's in third place? I, I thought both those guys were going to be just like dead against the track there, uh, but or sorry, against the wall there, but they kept it together, and were able to get across the start-finish line. So what a ending 
as far as you know the actual race is concerned. But as gamblers, yeah, if you uh, followed the picks from last week, we hit big there on the Hamlin number. So that was fun. And I'll tell you what, we've been fading Larson in the last few episodes, and it is you know fun when it works out, but it's very very stressful. Uh, because, you know, I didn't take Larson in anything. I took him against him in head-to-heads. I didn't take him to win the race just because I didn't like his value on any of it. And, you know, dominating stage one, stage two, you're like, oh, my God. Now, uh, I watched the race. I know I shared my my struggles. I had uh, date night with the wife. And so I had to watch this via DVR. It took everything in my power when I see him dominating in the first part of the race to just not skip all the way through, just be like, oh, my God, please don't tell me. I'm going to waste all this time just to lose this bet here. But uh, ended up working out, so it was, it was really great. And the other thing was it's a long race. I mean, that was a long race. I didn't finish up watching it on the DVR until like 2.30 in the morning. Like that, that felt very long, which – Typically, I really enjoy night races. If they go on for a while, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm sitting there drinking beers, you know, getting into it. Uh, but that was that was extra long for sure. Um, so on the full tank face off. All right. We had Derek come on last week and I came out victorious. I'm back on the winning side of things. Two to one was the final. The head to head matchups there. And the the one I lost was the one that I chose which was Christopher Bell over Tyler Reddick. And that one, that came down to the wire. I mean, I was watching that just as much as I was the leaders um, because Bell and Reddick were, like, right next to each other the last few laps. Now, Reddick ended up uh, finishing two spots ahead of Bell. But still, just like we said, they were going to be in and around each other. But we're going to talk about those guys just a bit because the standings are close. But to to keep talking about uh, our conversation with Derek, he had mentioned that he likes to, he's got some trends that he likes to follow in gambling on NASCAR. One of them is the helmet cam. Nobody had a helmet cam last week, so that, you know, we weren't really able to see that play out. But the other thing he mentioned to us was he likes to follow, I think, Bob Pockris, who calls out how guys make it through inspection or not. And he messaged me and said, hey, Austin Dillon is the only one who failed inspection twice. He's going to the back. So I like him top 10. I said, Derek, I'm riding with you. So he was top 10 for like plus 220 or something like that, 260. I, I threw it in and just said, hey, let's let, let it ride. You know what I mean? And damned if Austin Dillon didn't finish in 10th place. So there is something to that. Derek is on to something big time, uh, so I'll be keeping my eyes on that as the rest of this season plays out. But very fun bet to hit there when you know something like that just all falls into place. And just to kind of back that up, you know, just on the side, friend of the program, Jordan McAbee, he hosts the the Stacking Denny's podcast now. He puts out every week his projections for daily fantasy, and he had Austin Dillon in his lineup. And I saw on Twitter somebody said to him, hey, Austin's starting in the back. Does this change anything? He said, absolutely not. Keep Austin Dillon. So that's just like kind of reiterating the fact that even though they're starting in the back, some people might get nervous about that. Don't be. 
you know, Derek's onto it. They clearly have tried something and, and they're trying to skirt the rules as much as possible. So you got to love that. So Austin Dillon with a big top 10 for the gambling gods out there last week. Now, um, looking at the race from a non-gambling view, playoffs definitely made that even more interesting because we had so many drivers with trouble. I mean, look at all, I just wrote down a, a list of guys that I could remember, but you had William Byron, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, and of course, Michael McDowell, all running into problems, which was very interesting. It was kind of fun to watch if you like this format because it just adds to the drama. I mean, that's exactly kind of what NASCAR wants here. Um, so that was, you know, fun to see that play out. But, you know, if you're a fan of any of those drivers, or you've bet on any of those guys, it, it was not. I had mentioned I have a, a couple futures on some championship picks, Byron being one of them. So that wasn't great. But the thing is, after all of that trouble, they're still relatively close. I mean, Michael McDowell, he's the one that's in the most trouble. I think he's like 23 points to the bat. For him, that's kind of a death sentence because he's not going to be able to make that up. He, he's kind of just happy to be there. But the other guys, like two points behind, you would have thought that Kyle Busch was like minus 80. But he's right there. Same with Byron and Bowman. Um, I, I saw some some people on Twitter you know, talking about Chase Elliott. I guess they were fans of his saying how that was Bubba's fault or that was Bell's fault, just blaming them. And I think this is a good jump-off point for a, an overarching point about the playoffs, which is you, you kind of need to have that veteran presence. I thought Chase might have this a little bit more, but you can't blame – so taking that specific example, you cannot blame Bubba or Bell for knocking Chase out of that race and putting him now in a worse position than he would have been as far as the standings are concerned because – you have to back up a little bit. I mean, Chase put himself in that position with a, a miscue by missing pit road and having to loop back around it and do it again. And that mistake puts him back in the mess when they restart. And now because of that, I mean, it's a butterfly effect because of that. He's next to those guys who probably, you know, he shouldn't be around. And when you're driving in the mid pack, back of the pack, those types of things can happen because those drivers are not as comfortable in their position. You know, you got Bubba Wallace racing against Chase Elliott. They're making it three wide. That's not something that Chase wants to be a part of. If he's up front, you're not going to be running into those types of moves by other drivers. So, yes, in the moment, should they have been three wide? Probably not. But the point is, playoff drivers need to make sure that they are not making these mental errors putting themselves in position to get taken out by guys who, you know, aren't in their caliber. So with that being said, I mean, you look at some of these veterans, Kurt Busch, for example, you know, Brad Kozlowski jumps out as someone who just ran a, you know, par for the course race, I guess. I mean, Kozlowski didn't blow anybody away, but he finished with a seventh place finish. So he didn't, he, he didn't let the track or the other guys beat him. He just ran a clean race. And because these other guys were making mental errors, you got some of these younger guys, Byron and, and Bowman, for example, Blaney uh, even. I mean, his all of his momentum has gone now. 
these guys are just kind of go, 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 go. It's finally the playoffs. Let's do it. And they're running into problems. Meanwhile, you've got veterans who are just kind of riding around, missing everything, and, and now they're in a, a much better position. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to do that or if that was just kind of one race and they got a little bit lucky. I mean, the playoffs require a little bit of luck, but the thing that was you know, kind of tough to watch was when you're cheering for Bell and, and watching Reddick and, and Al Marola had him top 10, those guys were up and down all week, or sorry, all race. And to see them finish towards the, the top 20, like to barely make it in the top 20, was pretty brutal because of the fact that you had these other guys running into errors. Uh, that is a, a big missed opportunity, I think you could say, for them. So, you know, these younger guys, they need to know when to take advantage of the situation because the veterans do know how to do that. So that overarching point is something to consider as we get into you know, who we're betting on uh, the rest of these playoffs. I mean, not just this round, but but other rounds. Because to start off, all you need to do is just beat four other guys. That's it. Four guys. And, and so you could top 15 yourself into the round of 12 um, because you're going to have other guys just missing the mark and, and seeing what happened to them last weekend. That could happen, and now all of a sudden you're in the next round. So it less pressure this round if you're a veteran guy who knows what you're doing so that's the rant around around that um but fun race overall and uh yeah had some good outcomes with the bets as well so now they will be looking ahead to richmond some of these guys who struggled last week still not out of it for sure they're going to need to rebound at richmond a lot of eyes on some certain drivers as we're we're coming here and to start off, I mean, the race is on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I mean, that in itself, if you're going to that race, you, I mean, there's no doubt you're going to be getting chills. Um, NASCAR, more than any other sport, really knows how to bring people together and, and really celebrate the country better than anyone. I mean, the, the Coke 600 and Memorial Day every year, they do such a great job there. Um, the 4th of July race down in Daytona for years, you know, they would always do a great job with that and the fireworks and everything there. This, I mean, I think we can expect some, some race cars with some paint schemes that are patriotic. Um, I mean, th they just do patriotic stuff better than anyone. So you probably want to prepare yourself, whether you're watching on TV or you're going to be at the race for some um, memorial type stuff and, you know, somebody might be chopping onions uh, <laughs> to start that race because it's going to be uh, pretty well done, I'd have to imagine. I mean, just such a terrible anniversary um, and NASCAR, they really do go, do a good job with, you know, unity and, and that type of stuff. So um, keep your eyes peeled because you're a fan of the red, white, and blue paint schemes like I am, I, I'd have to assume. I haven't seen anything yet, but I'd have to assume there's going to be someone out there that's that's going all in. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Now, Richmond, let's jump into the track stats. 129 races here. The winner has started on the pole 24 times. The last time it happened was Denny Hamlin 
Top five, the winner started there 57% of the time, and top 10, 78% of the time. Outside of the top 20, it's happened 9%. But, as we will talk about, it happened earlier this year with Alex Bowman, who started 24th. Looking at manufacturers' trends, when Bowman won this year, that snapped a win streak, first win for Chevy in six tries. All right, but Toyota is really the manufacturer with the uh, best success here over the last few years. They've got seven wins in the last 11 races. So Toyota is definitely the one to watch at this racetrack. So talking about the spring, Bowman won that race. And, you know, he definitely kind of snuck up and stole one. Now, if you go back and you remember what happened earlier in this race, in the spring, there was a crash with, you know, early in the second stage, I guess, where it threw a lot of guys off cycle. It was Ryan Newman crashing, and that really chopped everything up. I think there was only like six or seven guys who hadn't pit yet at that point, and that really threw everything off because now for the rest of the race, you're getting maybe the top 10, top 12 guys are on the lead lap, and it's a, a small amount. So a lot of guys got into a position that they did not want to be in, having to fight for getting back on that lead lap, which made it you know, interesting, but it definitely made it easier for kind of the randoms. I mean, the, the guys that hadn't pit yet were definitely some of the names that you aren't used to seeing. So the, the strong cars needed to perform. And at the end of the race, it was the short run that got it done for Alex Bowman. I mean, he was strong on the short runs, and he was able to, you know, join the party with Danny Hamlin and Joey Logano and say, hey, I'm here, and I'm my car's better right now on short runs. I'm going to win this race. And that's exactly what he did. So um, that possibility is there. If you do get those late race restarts, it opens the door for these guys who may not have been there. There were some other guys poking around in that race uh, Amarola comes to mind. He ended up fading, but you know if he had a, a short run speed, he would have been there. He, he restarted fourth. Uh, so that's the the thing about this racetrack to keep in mind is you know we're going to talk about guys who dominate here, but if we do get some late race fireworks, you never really know. You might want to pull up the live live betting and see if you can get a good value on somebody that is off the beaten trail because if you had done that with about I don't know, 20 to go at Richmond in the spring, you might have hit pretty big on Alex Bowman. But the fact is, strong drivers are always in the mix here. I mean, some of those guys that were in it at the end had to fight back. And, you know, because of being down a lap and the pit cycle being all out of whack, they were still up there. The guys who were good here are just normally good. So I am not afraid of chalk. That's really the the main point that I'm getting at when it comes to the gambling this week, I'm going to call out some guys to win the race who are definitely at the top of the board when we're looking at the odds, but I'm not afraid of that because Richmond, it's pretty rare to see something like that where, you know, you've got a guy who started way in the back like Bowman did or, or a guy who's way down the odds list kind of sneak up and steal one. If you look at the history of the winners here, it's, it's typically the guys who you would think are good. So with all that being said, let's start talking about winners. Martin Truex Jr. is my first pick. He's going off right now as the favorite. He opened at plus 400 on DraftKings. Now he's going off at plus 550. Still the favorite, but better odds for you. So shit, 
Like, let's get on that. I'm very much in favor of the 19 car this week, um, especially if we can get them at, at better odds. Now, definitely kind of shop around because for whatever reason, FanDuel, for example, has been um, better for odds, but right now they're they're both the same. So he performed very well at Darlington. I mean, he was kind of bumped back. He had some trouble and then fought back. He finished fourth at Darlington. He is a sneaky car to you know keep in mind as this season unfolds. I'm sure one of these episodes we're going to start talking about championship picks a little bit more. 19 car, he he's sneaky. Only two wins this year, but I feel like he's going to be a force. So He's got a little bit of momentum coming off of a fourth place finish, and this is one of his best racetracks. So it'll be fun to watch him this race. That's why I want to bet on him is to really pay attention to him. Because if I don't bet on somebody, I, you know, it's tough for me to remember to watch with a microscope. I'm just uh, short-minded like that. But last ten races at Richmond, two wins, six top fives, eight top tens. His average finish is six point eight, which is fourth compared to everyone. And the driver rating stat is really the stat that stands out to me with Martin Truex. Because in his last 10 races, his driver rating is first compared to everyone, 120.6. Now, this week with driver rating, you can kind of look at the last 10 races, the last six races, and the last two races. At least my database lets me do that. And the funny thing is with Truex, it doesn't matter what time frame you're looking at. He, his driver rating is over 120 in all three categories, all right? The last two races, he's actually second, and we'll talk about who's first, but that is impressive. I mean, 120 in driver rating just at any point is phenomenal, but to have that happen in just such a consistent fashion is really what draws your attention to Martin Truex Jr. this week. So he is on a tear right now at Richmond, five straight top five finishes. That includes two wins and a fifth place finish this spring. So plus 550 to me is still very good value, even though he's the favorite. I don't mind that at all. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a a gambling gods situation here, I would say. But just want to share a small story that really got my attention. So... Um, I'm a nerd. I collect the the die cast cars from time to time. It keeps it interesting when you know the family's forced to go to Target. I'll, I'll swing by the die cast area, see if I can pick anything up. And for the longest time this year, I don't know what it is, COVID or whatever, but the store, you know, two Targets in our area. Every time we're in that area, um, haven't had anything. Nothing at all. The shelves have been bare. So I don't know if there's another guy in our area that just like clean them out or they're just not getting inventory. Well, this week, had to run to the store, figured I'd stop in, uh, as always, just to take a quick peek, see if there's any cars, and uh, there's only one on the shelf, and it was the Bass Pro Shops number 19 Martin Truex Jr. It was like sitting there, there's always three racks that are completely empty that are supposed to be for NASCAR diecast, and uh, right in the middle was the 19 car. It was like a sign. So, snagged it, and... uh, you know, threw that in the, the drawer, the collection, and said to myself, I got to bet on this 19 car. Like, there's something out there for, for there not to be shit all season. And now all of a sudden, at a track that he's really good at, I, I got to bet on him. So that's my, you know, kind of sign from above, I guess. But 
if you're not in for any of that type of stuff, if the, the gambling god stories really don't get your juices flowing, let's look at, you know, the green flag speed. We talked about this last week and we're going to continue to do so. Average green flag speed at these tracks that are using the 750 engine package, Truex is third in speed this season. So, you know, that's a real stat that you can cling to and say, all right, I feel good about plus 550. So lock me in, 19 car, the sign from above and the stats in my face, plus 550. Next guy we're going to talk about, he did it for us last week, it was Denny Hamlin. Plus 650 is what he's going off at right now. And I fully believe that Denny Hamlin could go on a run here. I think he could sweep this first round of the playoffs. He's so good at all these tracks. I It would not shock me. It would be very Tony Stewart-esque to just come out, no wins before the playoffs, and then just start ripping them off left and right. So the thing about it is fast race cars are just kind of the, the foundation of what you need to have success in this round of the playoffs, in, in playoffs in general. But And I know that sounds silly, but it's tough to consistently have speed, and the 11 car consistently has speed at these racetracks, and Richmond is no different. They have had that, and then if you look at this season, he's first with green flag speed on the 750 package tracks, So, and it's by a lot. Like his average number is 3.8, I believe, average speed. And the, the next best guy is like seven something. So that's a huge jump back to second place when you're talking about average green flag speed. So to have that knowledge going in is just such a big deal for this team. Now, you could make the case and say, well, he won last week. He's in the next round. You know, he might relent a little bit, back off. And I disagree with that. I mean, I, I heard somebody on SiriusXM Radio making that point. It was one of the hosts saying, you know, the 11 car is good. They're, they're in. They're not going to be, you know, forcing the issue here. And I, I disagree. I think they understand the value of bonus points. And winning the race gets them five bonus points for the next round. You know, why not get more? You're going to need as many points as you could possibly get, especially after getting snaked for the uh, – 15 bonus points to the regular season championship. So they are not going to back off, in my opinion. I feel like that's a, a fool's errand to think that. So uh, looking at Richmond in his last 10 races, he's got one win, seven top fives, eight top tens. His average finish compared to everyone else on the racetrack is first, 5.6. Very, very great number there. And here's a... a, a Weird stat. I hope I can communicate it the best way here. But his average starting position is 7.8. Okay. Now his average finish is 5.6. So he improves on that average starting position. But the, the weird thing that I found was that is the lowest average starting position where someone improves. So the point is, that's pretty low to have an average starting position of 7.8. But to be able to improve on that, nobody else has been able to do something like that. You've got guys who are starting like average, you know, 9 or, or 12, and they're able to show improvement in their average finish. But nobody has a lower or better average starting position than Denny Hamlin and improves on it in that way. So I thought that is, again, another checkbox in the column of strong race cars at this track. It's what you're going to need here. So he's proved how strong he was in the spring race. I mean, to be able to kind of fight back through the 
the off cycle stuff that happened with the Newman crash and and you know coming back on the lead lap and just dominating there. He, he got beat by Bowman. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But just proved how good his cars are and he is at this racetrack. His driver rating is fifth out of everyone, 106.0. If you look at his last two races, it jumps up to 111.2. It's good enough for fourth out of everyone. So the the spring race, like I said, it was his to win. He was the the guy in the the driver's seat and, you know, just got beat by a, a better short run car. And so you have to imagine He's got revenge on his mind. I mean, this that was his racetrack. He should have won that race. That Those five bonus points should have been his. I think he has that in the back of his mind. So Denny Hamlin, you know, and, and the other thing is we talked about with Derek, the off-track issues with his girlfriend, Jordan Fish, blowing him up on Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, seems like he thrives off of off-track situations. He, he's kind of like using the race car as a safe haven. I feel like he's been like that all year, all all of his career, rather. And so he proved it last week. We'll see if he can go get it done again for back-to-back wins. I'm in plus 650. Now, the last guy I'm going to call out here to win the race is uh, Joey Logano at plus 750. Now, you might be saying to yourself, ah, that's, that's not my guy. I, I'm not in on Logano. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were to tell me that. Darlington, he wasn't really shocking anyone. He was not very impressive. He kind of just went through the motions. But uh, it's kind of like what I was saying about just a veteran guy, just surviving and advancing, staying out of the trouble. But I'm still on Joey right now anyway. Looking at his last 10 races, one win, six top fives, eight top tens. His average finish at Richmond, second out of everyone, 5.8, very close to Hamlin's number there. And his driver rating is sixth, 104.6 in his last 10. But, well, actually, before I, I get to the but, I, I just want to call out an FYI. He's sixth in that stat. And there's a huge drop-off from Joey to the, the seventh-place guy. So it's 104.6 for Joey. The next guy in line is 93.0, Kurt Busch. So um, big drop there. And here's the but. Looking at the last two races, I mentioned how Denny or sorry, Martin is second in the last two races. It's Joey Logano who's first, 120.4. He had back-to-back third-place finishes that helped get him that number, and that's very incredible to me that he was able to steal that first spot away from Truax without winning a race. Two third-place finishes just shows how strong he was in those races. So, Looking at green flag speed this season on the 750 tracks, he's second to Denny Hamlin. So this is not a surprise if he were to go out and win this race. To me, he should be very much in the mix. You know, you look at Penske as a whole, they've kind of been just kind of, you know, on the outskirts looking in recently. Um, You know, you've got Blaney, who won a couple races. It was Daytona and Michigan, and he really jumped up, but I guess the 22 team really needs something going on here. In the spring, he was battling with Hamlin for that win when Bowman crashed the party there. So I really like Joey Logano to win the race. I like the number plus 750, but if that's too outrageous for you, how about plus 100 finishing the top, top, excuse me, top five. I'm all over this bet. I think I like this more than to, to win the race. Uh, I'll be betting on both. Plus 100. He's got three of the last four races with a top five finish. Six of the last eight races, top five finish. So plus 100. My goodness.
goodness. That's really good value if you can get it. So get it early before they take it away. So Logano, I like him on all counts here. So to recap, it's Truex plus 550, Denny Hamlin plus 650, and Joey Logano plus 750 are picks to win and top five this week. Firm but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So next up, we're going to get to the finishing position bets. Last week, the lines did not come out when I was recording, and this week they came out earlier. So even better, they're trying to make up for it. I guess the Saturday race, they're out a little bit early. So got some guys here lined up for this segment. And remember, we're trying to find value here in these picks. Um, We will call out some things where you're giving up uh, some chunk of change, you know, minus money here. I'll call that out from time to time as we're talking about these guys to finish in various spots. But the, the name of the game is typically trying to find the best value for you as the gambler to see if it's worth throwing some money down to kind of take a flyer on some of these guys. So we're going to start with Austin Dillon, plus 130. Can he do it again? Some of these guys have been making us money all year, and there's no reason in my mind to jump off of the, the Golden Goose if they're continuing to pay out. So Austin he top 10 last week, as we called that out, thanks to Derek. So he's got momentum. And last year, he had a pretty solid first round of the playoffs, if I remember correctly. So there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to do it again. Same tracks. So, you know, let's see if Austin can go get it done. Now, looking at the top 10s, he's got four top 10s in his last 10 races. So that you know, really get your attention because if you're sorting by drivers who have the most top 10 finishes in the last 10 races, Dylan's up there. I mean, there's not too many guys um, that have more top 10 finishes than him. There's obviously a bunch that have like eight or seven, but you're not getting good value on those guys. Austin is really the first name on the list that you say, oh, wait, wait, let's pause. Let's see what he's looking at, you know, for his value top 10. And so plus 130 is what that number is. Now, the funny thing is, if you look at Austin a little bit deeper here, four top tens, those four numbers there, actually came in the last five races. So even though we're sorting, you know, originally by the last 10 races, he's hot lately at this racetrack. He finished 10th in the spring and fourth last year. He led 55 laps in the playoff race last year. So that, to me, is enough to say, like, hey, yeah. I think he has figured it out. Four of the last five are top tens, and he's getting plus 130 value. I'm in on that. Um, the, the funny thing is, the top 20s, he dropped originally around like minus 170. I saw, I mentioned Jordan McAbee earlier. I saw him tweet out, you know, this is good value. This will change. Um, and he was dead right. I mean, right now he's going off at minus 220 to finish in the top 20. And obviously that might be a little bit too rich for some people's blood it is for me uh so that's why you know the top 10 makes the most sense if you were able to get him in the top 20 at minus 170 like that type of number i'd i'd say that is doable uh, for me i would lay that bet down but uh because that has changed so the top 20s you know sometimes they change before we even have a chance to to get the podcast out there or get any thoughts so um keep your eyes peeled when they do release those numbers because you might be able to find some quick value before they change it. 
for a lot of the season, the top 20 values did stick around for a while. It gave us an opportunity to kind of discuss it, think about it, and then put the bets in. But um, they seem recently to be putting the lines out and then adjusting pretty quickly. So you want to get top 20s in as soon as you possibly can. Now, if you're looking for another bet on Austin, I've got one for you. He's going head-to-head against Ross Chastain, minus 115. Uh, that, I think I would take Austin Dillon in this matchup. His driver rating is, in the last 10 races, 82.1. But if you look at his last two races, 103.1. That's a huge jump. Good enough for seventh in that time frame, last two races. Ross Chastain is not in that ballpark at all. So, minus 115 there against Chastain. I think I'm on top of that as well. Um, so, keep your eyes peeled on the Insta stories for that breakdown. But, Austin Dillon plus 130 is the first finishing position pick. Lock it in. Next guy talked about Golden Goose. Well, he has certainly been that this year. It's Kurt Busch, top 10 finish. And it's like, you know, unbelievable how they still do not respect the one card. He's plus 120. So I hate picking him every time. You know, I feel like we're talking about the same guys every time. But, hey, he keeps making us money. So we have to. And, it's not like I'm just throwing his name out here willy-nilly. I mean, I, I do some investigation to see if it's worth it, plus 120, and it does seem that way. He's top 10 in all the stats. Average finish, he's 8th, 11.4. Driver rating, he's 7th, 93.0. He's got four top 10s in the last 10 races. Now, if you're a hater and you're looking for reasons to fade me on this pick, um, you do have some. He's got zero top 10 finishes in the last six races, so I would say that he's due and the, the lens that I'm going to throw on this is he clearly has had past success at this racetrack. You've got the playoffs now. He's the veteran guy that's going to do what he needs to do to survive. Try not to make those mental mistakes. Let other guys do that, and he'll kind of find his way into a top 10 finish. That's my thought process here. And he's 12th in green flag speed at these 750 tracks. He was second in speed last week so that to me is you know something they can build off of so even though they haven't had a top 10 in a few races here i think this could be the week and the value you're getting here is plus 120 that's pretty good he's again just like dylan minus 220 to finish in the top 20 um still might be a little too rich for me so throwing that out there plus 120 top 10 kurt bush now I'm going to throw a name out here that is just so far off the beaten trail. I kind of want to smack myself, but I'm not crazy. All right. It might seem like a crazy pick, but I have a reason. There's a method to the madness here, and I just kind of need to talk it into existence here. So this is a guy who changed the last race in the spring because of a wreck, and it was Ryan Newman in the six car. His crash changed the whole complexion of that race, like I mentioned when we did the the breakdown of Richmond. But looking at him specifically, his average finish isn't great, you know, 17.5. His driver rating is 16th, 75.3. There's a pattern here with Ryan Newman that I find very interesting, okay? And this pattern spans 10 races. The pattern is two finishes outside the top 10, Two finishes in. Two finishes outside. Two finishes in. His last two races outside the top 10. So if that pattern were to continue, he would find his way in to the top 10 for the next two races. So this year and next spring, he would be in there. Um, So 
this to me is a flyer. You're taking a flyer on a guy. You know, it's fantasy football draft season. You hear that term thrown out out there a lot. Um, plus 700 to finish in the top 10. There's going to be some wonky guys in and around that top 10. So why not Newman, especially when you're looking at the pattern like that? Now, if you are saying to yourself, Phil, that's just insane. You know, plus 700 is such good value that I'll throw, I'll sprinkle a little bit. Maybe if I get like a free bet or something, I'll throw a little something in there. Uh, but if you want a more realistic pick for Ryan Newman, he's plus 110 to finish in the top 20. And he's got six top 20 finishes in his last 10 races. So that may be more of a sound, concise pick to go with here. Uh, so Newman plus 110 top 20 may be the move if you're a little bit more conservative. If you're looking for you know some super high value, just kind of throwing it out there and seeing what sticks, plus 700 top 10. If that pattern continues, we'd be cashing in a pretty big ticket. Now, the last guy I'm calling out here in this section, Daniel Suarez, minus 130 to finish in the top 20. I like Suarez so much in this spot. His average finish is 14.8. He's got three top 10s, four top 15s, and seven top 20s in eight races. Now, I know some of those were with JGR, but he did it last spring. He had a 16th place finish in the 99. His average green flag speed is 19th on these 750 packages. And I definitely think that you can make an argument that the 99 team has momentum. So looking at the last three 750 tracks, he has a 13th place finish, a 20th place finish, and a 7th place finish. Three straight top 20s on those tracks. Like I said, 13th last week. That is what we're looking for here. Minus 130 top 20. I think this is a good opportunity to cash that ticket. So Suarez, top 20, minus 130. The last thing I'll call out here in this section, we used to get into a lot of prop bets in this section before we had more finishing positions to bet on. I'll just throw this out there. Toyota and, and JGR plus 160 to win the race this week at Richmond. I like this pick. Um, all of their guys are in the top like eight for a lot of these stats, like average finish and, and driver rating, it's so worth it. Um, driver rating, you know, they got four guys in the top eight. Average finish, they got four guys in the top seven. Uh, their program is just so good here. And we talked about how the manufacturer, Toyota, has just been the pick, seven to last 11. So plus 160, uh, for me, is worth throwing that in. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled if you want to roll with the prop bet. And then... Christopher Bell, you know, he needs a, a good race, um, plus 400 to beat all of his teammates, uh, to be the top Toyota. To me, that is some decent value. I mean, the other guys aren't getting that type of value. So if things do go wrong, as we saw last week, I mean, Kyle Busch in the garage, if things do go wrong with the guys that we called out to win the race, Christopher Bell, all he's got to do is beat really three other guys you want to throw Bubba in there as well he's like plus 6500 to be the top Toyota so if you think something's going to take out the whole JGR camp then yeah throw that flyer in there but um, Bell plus 400 seems like some pretty solid value there on uh, insurance policy so those are the picks this week for the finishing positions buggity, buggity, buggity. let's go racing boys 
All right, so let's get to the head-to-head section of the podcast. This is most people's favorite part of the podcast because all you need to do is just beat one of the guy. This is also now where you can, with DraftKings, get some parlays going. And one quick mention that I forgot to talk about in the top tens, DraftKings did actually have something. I don't know if it's just because it was Southern 500 or maybe they'll do this every week, but they had some parlays where they'll give you some guys and say, if this guy, this guy, and this guy finish in the top five or the top 10, then here are the odds for that. So basically making some pre-made parlays for you for finishing positions. So if you're a big fan of parlays, like I am, you want to keep your eyes peeled. Obviously, I'll uh, throw that out there again on the Insta stories, make people aware of it, but some food for thought there. So like I said, last week, we had the full tank face-off with Derek, came out victorious, two to one there. And I want to keep that momentum going here. I feel like I got some picks that can do it. So we're going to start by talking about Matt Tabetadetto versus Tyler Reddick, a guy in the playoffs and a guy not in the playoffs, both going off at minus 115. They are going to see a lot of each other on the racetrack, I feel like, this Saturday night. So looking at Tyler Reddick first, two races here in his cup career. He finished 20th in the spring, 11th last year the only race by the way at richmond last year because of covid he's 14th in green flag speed this year on 750 tracks and to me that's a pretty big step because it's much better than matty d now the playoff picture though is what i'm thinking of with tyler reddick he is one of those guys who i feel like is going to be pushing too hard and you know he didn't capitalize on some other mistakes made by other drivers in the playoffs to put himself in a better position right now he's right on the cut line so to me i feel like he sees two races left right on the cut line he's gonna make a mistake himself to get himself shuffled back and and in the race i feel like you know maybe hits the wall or or, you know something happens on pit road now all of a sudden he's a lap down and at richmond that's tough to overcome so i'm looking at this as you know not much experience to go off of uh at richmond cup so that's a negative playoff picture. I see that in this case, sometimes I see the playoff, you know, lens as a positive, but in this case where he is on the cut line, I'm seeing that as a negative just because I think the pressure is a little bit too much. Looking at Matty D 10 races here, average finishes 24.0, not great, but he has been driving as we talk about from time to time, you know, earlier in his career cars that just aren't good so he has one top 10 finish in his career but it happened in the spring that's what we're looking for you know improvement driver rating the last two races is 81.7 that's actually tied in that time frame with the likes of kurt bush who i already talked about we love so clearly he's getting something together and for the record reddick's two races here in his career uh in that same time span He's 73.0 in terms of driver rating. So Matty D has a pretty big advantage there, showing that in those two races, he's been better than Reddick. Um, so that's a pretty big deal. He's better lately. He's improving. And the thing with Matty D is not being in the playoffs, he's auditioning himself for a new ride next year. And we've seen in the past, Bristol comes to mind um, from a few years back when, when Hamlin beat him towards the end of the race. He is someone who really knows how to showcase himself, really knows how to step up at the right times. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he went out and, and had another good race, another top 10. So I like Matty D to beat Tyler Reddick this weekend, minus 115 
is the odds there. It's an even matchup. So lock me in for that 21 car. We're going to talk about Matt in a bit in the Phil's Fired Up section. Next one, Kyle Larson versus Brad Keselowski. These two are going off at even odds here. And I'm sick of fading Kyle Larson. So this is my chance to actually get on board with the five car. I'm going to go with him this week in this even matchup. But let's start with Brad Keselowski because when you're looking at the stats, there's a reason why these two are even matched. Solid stats for Kozlowski and the two car. In his last 10 races, he has a win. Four top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is 7.1. Fifth on the circuit in that stat. Driver rating is 109.0. Fourth on the circuit. So Richmond, his stats are just so good. Much better than the likes of Kyle Larson. You know, But this year is what kind of has my attention. He finished 14th in the spring. And this 2021 season has been such a difference maker for me. You know, leaving this two car just really seems hard to get behind Kozlowski at this point until he goes out and proves it. Like last week, we talked about how he just kind of snaked his way into a top 10. He didn't prove anything other than he can survive. But in a head-to-head matchup, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a guy who can actually step up. And Larson steps up week by week by week um, in this 2021 season. So let's look at Larson. In his last nine races, one win, two top fives, five top tens. Average finish is 10th out of everyone, 11.9. His driver rating is 9th. But the thing about him is he's just been so good this year. It's just tough for me to imagine him losing a head-to-head matchup here against Kozlowski just based on this season alone. And on the 750 tracks, he's fourth in green flag speed. Kozlowski this season is 14th. Like, that's the stat. Right, that really puts it over for me. Larson is a championship hopeful. Brad, he's just kind of around, and you have no idea if he's going to be a factor. He has not been a factor for most of the season. So um, I like Larson in this matchup. It's 3 3 head to head in the last six races here. So call this game seven, and I'm taking Larson to win game seven based off of this year and the performance in 2021. And valuing that over the history at Richmond. So Larson minus 115 is the pick. So now our final head-to-head matchup is Ryan Blaney versus Alex Bowman. This is such an interesting matchup. I love it. I love how I'm going to have a dog in this fight because this is going to be fun to watch. Picking against Blaney for his bad performance here is kind of the trend, right? That's what I called out in the spring and it paid off he is on the record as saying that he hates this racetrack like he has been so brutal here so i'm going you know as soon as i saw the matchups come out i said who is blaney facing i need to take the opposite now blaney is the the underdog plus 100 so you're getting some good value there but immediately i just said like i gotta go with the opposite so we're gonna still break both these guys down but just know i'm taking bowman now looking at blaney Zero top 10s in his career here. His best finish is 11th. That happened in the spring. So kind of similar to what we are saying about Matty D. Yeah, better lately. But before that, his best finish was 17th. Average finish at this racetrack is 23.4. That's good enough compared to everyone for 23rd on the circuit going off on Saturday night. His driver rating is dismal, 63.3. Now, in his last two races, it does improve. So we got to call out the good with the bad. 76.9 in the last two races. Even that, though, is not much that you would turn your head on. Green flag speed at the 750 tracks. He's ninth 
on the circuit this season in 2021. So there's hope there. So if you wanted to take the value at plus 100, you may be looking at something that, you know, is doable. But Alex Bowman, let's take a look at his numbers because he's the defending champion in this racetrack. He won in the spring, as we talked about, and he fought through a lot to get there. He stole that race, and he was able to overcome a lot to put himself in position to do that. Blaney has yet to do anything like that at Richmond. So that win definitely helps his average finish here. It's 13.3, which is 11th out of everyone, and he's only been here six times, I believe. So you might say to yourself, well, that win, you know, that definitely jukes the stats. Well, that's not necessarily true because even if you give him, instead of a first place finish in the spring, if you gave him where Blaney finished, which was 11th, his average finish in his career is 15.0. That's still much better than Ryan Blaney. So six races, he has a win, two top tens. And in his last two races, he's got a ninth place finish and a first place finish. Head to head at this racetrack, Alex Bowman beats Ryan Blaney five to one in the last six races. The driver rating is also something that it's getting your attention here with Bowman because we talked about how Blaney's improves in the last two races, which is great for him, but Bowman's is even better. His driver rating is in the last 10 races. It's only six for Bowman, but the the full stat for everyone is the last 10. It's 82.4. In the last two races, it skyrockets to 104.6. So that's that ninth place finish and the win. So again, I got to go with whoever's facing Ryan Blaney in this matchup and it's Alex Bowman and his stats, you know, whether Blaney had, uh, you know, decent regular success here or not, Bowman's stats are still nothing to sneeze at. So I'm going with Alex Bowman here, fading Blaney, betting on Bowman, kind of a rebound situation for him after a lot of miscues at Darlington. So that 48 car is going to bounce back and uh, have some more success at Richmond, minus 115. So let's take another recap back here. We're going with Matty D, minus 115, Kyle Larson, minus 115, and Alex Bowman, minus 115. Lock them in. We'll put the parlay out there on Instagram, and we will be having ourselves a Saturday night. So in the Phil's Fired Up section this week, we are going to talk about silly season because it is without a doubt in full swing. Silly season used to be NASCAR's free agency. And years and years and years ago, it was after the season was over. You know, the the championship is is crowned and now everyone moves into silly season, which is where, you know, it's musical chairs for different race cars and race teams. Uh, But over the past decade or two it's happened earlier and earlier and now it's basically like full swing all year you know like daytona 500 happens and then all of a sudden silly season you hear some rumors and news and notes that start to come out and uh this year is no exception i mean there's a lot of buzz around this next gen car so that's kind of sparked a lot of this stuff happening earlier but um was talking on instagram with our our buddy phil another phil out there and uh he was asking a a couple questions about you know where drivers are if it's possible to kind of keep track of all this because it's very complicated it seems like um trying to keep track so first of all i'd like to say if you're somebody that's interested in this type of topic the j ski website i mean that guy is an absolute legend um he actually 
got his site bought by ESPN a while back, and uh, now his site is officially back on jski.com. But he is just the guy to go to for a lot of stuff, not just silly season, but he, he keeps track of you know paint schemes and numbers and you know all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, his site is very fun to go to if you're looking for you know a way to kill time at work on like a Friday afternoon. Uh, so he's the the end all be all to me when it comes to trying to keep track of all this stuff. But what I'm going to try to do right now is break this down for you in a podcast form, um, just as a, a quick refresher going into the last nine races. So you kind of have something to go off of when you're watching these races. Um, and mentally preparing for what you're going to be seeing different next year. So the first thing we're going to look at is drivers that are changing teams next year. Okay, so the first place we got to start is Brad Keselowski. We know we talk about it a bunch. I think a lot of his performance is based around this, but he's moving to the six car at Roush, and he's going to have an ownership stake in that car. So that's a pretty big deal. That was something that you know they could not agree on at Penske, that's why he didn't stick around in the two car. He was looking for an ownership stake. Uh, Roger Penske said he could not offer that to Brad. And so it was a mutual kind of a split. You know, they say it wasn't a bad breakup. So he's going over to Roush where he's getting that ownership stake. He's taking over that six car. And, you know, people were saying, well, you know, you're going to a, a car that has just been dismal, not really performing whatsoever. The thought from Brad is with the next gen car, everybody's going to be on such an even playing field that he will be able to bring some success to that team and to that car. So that's why Brad is making that move. It was the ownership and the next gen car, both playing a factor in that move. Now, two other guys who are moving to other teams has to do with the fact that Chip Ganassi Racing will be no more. So the one car and the 42 car, it's Kurt Busch and Ross Chastain. So let's start with Kurt Busch. He was the most recent driver to find a new ride next year. And I think both of these actually kind of landed the way everyone thought. So Kurt Busch is moving to be the second car in the 2311 racing team with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. And uh, he's going to be driving the 45 car. I just think that's so cool. Uh, you got Jordan owning the 23 car and the 45 car, both of his basketball numbers at some point in his career. Very cool. And Monster Energy is going along with Kurt Busch, which is so profitable for them. I mean, he has been such a good driver for them since he has been with them you know over at Stuart Haas he they've been following him throughout his career and it's very rare to find someone like that we're going to talk about somebody else who has a, a sponsor like that in just a second but Monster Energy I, you know Kurt has been so good for them making the playoffs and making an impact every year so he will be joining a brand new team another manufacturer for Kurt driving in for Toyota so that'll be fun to watch next year over there because Bubba Wallace really hasn't gotten off to a, a great start in the 23 car. So what kind of an impact will Kurt make is a big uh, question. And, you know, if you're asking me, I think you're going to see Kurt doing better than Bubba right away. But that's just my thought. Uh, then you look at Ross Chastain. He got picked up by Trackhouse. So Trackhouse, they bought everything that was Chip Ganassi, their uh, extra charter. 
and uh, all their race shop and their equipment and everything like that. So Trackhouse taking over. So they had an extra uh, charter. They were going to field another car. They waited a few weeks to say who it was going to be, but ended up being Ross Chastain. So he'll be driving the number one car for Trackhouse. So they will have the 99 and the one. So that's Daniel Suarez's future partner, the Watermelon Man. Now, looking at Penske, they had a, a big shuffle. You know, Brad K leaving opened up a hole there. Austin Sindrick is going to be moving up from Xfinity to take over the two-car. Um, this was well-documented. A lot of NASCAR fans had a ton of things to say about this. Sindrick seems like a no-brainer. There seems to be, in my mind, looking at it from the outside, some nepotism here because Sindrick's dad is like the director of competition for Penske. But with everybody involved, everyone seems to say that, you know, Sindrick is the guy. He's dominating Xfinity. Um, so he is a great person to fill in the two cars shoes. But the big news when that was all going down was the fact that Harrison Burton was going to be tagged to jump into the 21 car. So he'll be racing for the Wood Brothers team. And that caused a stir because as we'll talk about the driver of the 21 car, Matt Benedetto, kind of gets left out in the wind. So those are all the guys that we know of going to be driving a, a new car next year in the Cup Series. Now, some concerns for certain teams here Front row could be selling their charter. It's most expected to be 2311. They're going to secure a charter so that Kurt has a, a full-time ride next year and they don't have to you know, qualify themselves in. With qualifying being in jeopardy to begin with, those charters are so important to know that you've got a ride every single week. So they're trying to put the full court press on front row to basically steal their charter. What that means is they could be moving to Xfinity. So Michael McDowell, who was on a year-by-year -year contract, could be out of Cup next year, our, our defending Daytona 500 champion out of the Cup Series, just like that. That would not seem to make sense to me. But when you're looking at it, I mean, front row, um, clearly they've got a target on their back from these teams thirsty for these charters for whatever reason. So looks like they're dropping down potentially to Xfinity. So we'll have to see how this one plays out. But um, if that were to happen, the question is, what happens to McDowell? I mean, we'll, we'll talk about him, I guess, in a second. But um, Or we could just talk about him right now. I mean, does he go with front row and move down to Xfinity with them? Or does he say, you know what, I'm done with you guys. I want to break off because that's not what I signed on for. Uh, I want to ride in the Cup Series. And now he becomes a... a floating free agent basically and tries to stay up in the the cup series i mean i don't think he's looking for a a premium ride front row is not a premium ride so his horizontal uh shift over to another car isn't you know the the level that we're looking for for some of these other guys that we're going to talk about so maybe he does find a you know lower quality ride in the cup series to ride around in the back and just you know try to snake some things at the super speedways like he has done in the past. We'll see. Uh, but a, a real shame there if that is how that goes down for McDowell for his team to basically just kind of pack it up and go home after that Daytona 500 championship. And then the other team concerned to call out JTG Doherty Racing. They're scaling back to one team. It looks like Stenhouse is officially the guy who they're going to keep on, which means that their other guy is out. So, um, Stenhouse, he's on a multi-year deal. That makes me think that he's very likely to return. And a lot of other people, including the JSK site, seem to think that is the case. So when they were, you know, calling that out, it definitely seemed like Stenhouse was going to be the 
the one that they kept out of the two cars. So that's going to leave us with a bunch of drivers looking for rides. So we'll start with finishing that conversation with JTG because Ryan Priest is the one that's left out. And so what happens to someone like him? The funny thing is back a long time ago, like way into the summer, before the summer even really started, I was listening to the driver's meeting podcast with RJ who came on to this podcast. He runs the NASCAR report page on Instagram and Tommy Joe Martins, he's a, an Xfinity series driver. He actually out of the blue, this one episode called out the fact that Ryan Priest could be looking for a ride next year. And he said, that's damn shame because Ryan Priest has done nothing wrong to deserve that. He's, he's really performed well with what he's been given. And I remember thinking like, it's a little early to be basically saying like this guy's out of a ride, but damned if that is the case, because he is officially out of a ride now. So what happens to him? Does he go down to Xfinity and try to, you know, build some more success? Um, it's really kind of a big time question mark. So it's a shame for Ryan Priest that it did play out that way, but clearly the writing was on the wall for some people who were more in the know than most. Um, somebody to call out that you know is not likely to be looking for a ride, but currently you could say is, is Eric Amarola. He's likely to return to the 10 car. Smithfield is a big deal here, a lot like Monster Energy. These sponsors have you know, stuck with these drivers, and when you're shopping around for a new team or, or to re-sign, Having that sponsor money is just so important, almost more important than the positions that you finish on the racetrack, which is kind of a shame, I would say. You should get paid based off of what you're doing on the racetrack. And, um, you know, Almirola, not to say that he's not doing it, I mean, he's in the playoffs. So he's got best of both worlds going on right now. And uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't re-sign for another contract extension, maybe if it's just for another year or two. Um, he signed on for another year around this time last year. So I would hope that he gets more of a, a multi-year deal just so they don't have to do this again and again and again, but uh, likely to return to the 10 car. We talked about Ryan Newman and how, or at least we talked about the six car and Brad Kozlowski taking over that ride for him. So is he the odd man out now in NASCAR? I mean, you know, he has not performed well since that horrific crash where the whole NASCAR world was looking at Newman. He just has not been able to come back and perform well enough to where, you know, you say, wow, Ryan Newman's on the market. Well, let's sign him up right now. Right. If you're the Stuart Haas Racing Group, uh, say, like, let's bring him back to drive the 10 car. No, you're, you're not going to do that. So what he's looking at really is retirement. I mean, next-gen car, maybe it just makes the most sense, good timing for him just to ride off into the sunset. But I have heard interviews with him talking about how he does not want to retire. I don't know if that's changed over the last, like, two months or so, but earlier this year he was saying that. So I am kind of sad to see him put in this position. Uh, it, it really is kind of a shame, especially since what happened in the start of last season. But you got to perform. I mean, it is, even though sponsorship dollars play a factor, it is a performance-driven profession. So you got to figure that out. So that leaves us with Matty D, because he's out of a ride now with Harrison Burton jumping in and, and basically, you know, Wood Brothers and Penske taking this from him. So people were pissed off when that went down. And uh, it makes you wonder, like, did he rub people the wrong way? I have talked to a few Matty D fans who have said, you know, there are rumors that he just hasn't gotten along with people. I mean, there was definitely something going on with his crew chief this season 
Now, since that crew chief's been out, he has been performing a little bit better. Uh, but then you say, okay, well, once the Burton news came out, why didn't Matty D get snatched up pretty quickly? And, you know, he released an Instagram video where he was kind of ranting a bit. And multiple people have said, like, that could have pissed some people off themselves. And, and that's really making you stay away from Matty D. Now, I know that a lot of people love him because of his, you know, Reddit background and you kind of have him building fans in this like new age way using technology and social media and just kind of putting himself out there. He's gained a lot of fans, but um, the fact is that he's been in so many different cars and, you know, each car that he's jumped into, it's been a better ride each time. And we still haven't seen the performance from him that you would expect. I mean, there's got to be a reason why Penske said, you know what, we're going to go with Burton. Because there, we don't have a win yet from this guy. And, and they, he gets a lot of attention when he does well with top fives and stuff like that. But um, I, I think at some point in time, being the good guy in the garage can only get you so far. So something's up here as far as, you know, why would he get let go from Penske? And also, why hasn't he signed on to another ride? Well, that gets into the last segment that we're going to talk about here is which are teams available. They're really, I mean, it's the worst time ever to be a free agent in NASCAR because there just aren't teams available to jump into. Some silly seasons, there's so many open seats. It's like, wow, okay, we get to play like a little fantasy draft here. Like where, where are these guys going to get rearranged to? But this year, there really are not much seats out there. So let's start with GMS because they're going to jump up into the Cup Series. They have said that they're going to be running up there, but we're not sure about the schedule. They're trying to secure a charter. And if they do, they'd be able to run full-time. But right now, we're not sure if they're going to be a part-time team or a full-time team. Um, so to me, this seems like a likely spot for someone like maybe Ryan Priest. Um, I think Priest stands out as someone who could fit this bill, kind of putting your ego aside and, and running. I mean, this team's going to be more of a backmarker. Um, so Priest, you know, JTG hasn't been a phenomenal team. So it's more of a horizontal move for him to, to go to an up-and-coming team like GMS, who's jumping up into the Cup Series. There were a lot of people that thought that Junior Motorsports might jump into the Cup Series, but they have said that it's just too expensive for them to make that jump at this time with the next-gen cars coming out. And, you know, if you're a fan of Ryan Newman or Matty D or some of these guys without rides – and you are hoping for junior motorsports to jump in to maybe save the day, I would, you know, temper those expectations because if once junior motorsports comes into the cup, they've got their roster of guys that they could easily put together. I mean, Noah Gregson is just foaming at the mouth to be a cup driver. And I think that junior motorsports is going to kind of throw their eggs into his basket. So if they jump in with one car, one charter, um, he's definitely the guy. And even if it's two, I mean, they've got other drivers in their stable already that they'll be able to promote. Um, so, you know, them not going to cup is not impacting guys like Matty D and, and Newman and Priest, um, these current free agents. So they just need to call that out there. Now, the, the one spot, if you are a fan of uh, Matty D, I think College Racing is the best landing spot for him. So let's call that out because they secured earlier in this year two charters out of the blue. And that kind of shocked a lot of people. So they will be running full-time in the Cup Series next year with Justin Haley as their driver. Now, 
originally they said A.J. Allmendinger, who has been running a lot of races this year for them, is going to be their guy in the other car, and he'll run like a part-time season. Uh, so maybe they'll throw other guys in there, maybe like a Ryan Newman uh, to fill in if they do run that part-time season. But recently there have been rumors that AJ might be able to secure part-time rides elsewhere in the Cup Series and continue to run for them in Xfinity. He seems pretty content running in Xfinity, and that's where he wants to be. So if he were to secure rides to run part-time for other teams, that means that there's a potential for colleague to secure another driver to run full-time. I mean, they've got the charter. They can do it. So if that were to play out, that means that they could sign someone like a Matty D to be their full-time driver, which I feel like for both parties here is the best option. Obviously we love AJ and AJ and Haley like clearly have this like, you know, buddy, buddy relationship. Um, so if AJ is not part of that stable anymore, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, they, that team loves AJ. Um, so, it, you know, it's a bit of a jump to assume this, but uh, it's not too big of a jump. Now, Matty D being that underdog, that mentality there fits this team because this team is just an underdog. They've been, you know, jumping up and, and stealing success when they can. Uh, won Daytona a couple years ago with Haley. They won this year on the road course with Almondinger. So it's it's very possible that this could go down. Um, so Matty D or, you know, even some of these other guys that we mentioned as free agents, but I, I feel like Matty D's best chance to run in the Cup Series with a real team, not a backmarker team, um, is Colleague Racing. I think Colleague has a, a shot to continue their success and to me, that's a best of both worlds scenario. So we'll see more as this season plays out. I'm sure more you know chips will fall, but that's the breakdown that I have for you on Silly Season right now in 2021. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go out there and place those bets as early as you possibly can. Let's hit some big values this week. The second round of the playoffs, another night race this Saturday night. So we set ourselves up for the Bristol night race a week from Saturday. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time for Bristol. Place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go.